chapter nine of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain the field of flowers this idea had no sooner entered his mind than he prepared to act upon it though only a short while previously feeling thoroughly overcome by fatigue he had resolved to wait till next day before setting out for the chief goal of his long pilgrimage but now strangely enough all sense of weariness had suddenly left him a keen impatience burned in his veins and a compelling influence stronger than himself seemed to urge him on to the instant fulfilment of his purpose the more he thought about it the more restless he became and the more eagerly desirous to prove with the least possible delay the truth or the falsity of his mystic vision at denel by the light of the small lamp left on the table he consulted his map the map heliobas had traced and also the written directions that accompanied it though these he had read so often over and over again that he knew them by heart they were simply and concisely worded thus on the east bank of the euphrates nearly opposite the hermitage there is the sunken fragment of a bronze gate formerly belonging to the palace of the babylonian kings three miles and a half to the southwest of this fragment and in a direct line with it straight across country will be found a fallen pillar of red granite half buried in the earth the square tract of land extending beyond this broken column is the field known to the prophet esdras as the field of ardath he was on the east bank of the euphrates already and a walk of three miles and a half could surely be accomplished in an hour or very little over that time hesitating no longer he made his way out of the house deciding that if he met elzir he would say he was going for a moonlight stroll before retiring to rest that venerable recluse however was nowhere to be seen and as the door of the hermitage was only fastened with a light latch he had no difficulty in effecting a noiseless exit once in the open air he stopped startled by the sound of full fresh youthful voices singing in clear and harmonious unison kyrie eleison christe eleison kyrie eleison he listened looking everywhere about him in utter amazement there was no habitation in sight save elzir's and the chorus certainly did not proceed from thence but rather seemed to rise upward through the earth floating in released sweet echoes to and fro upon the hushed air kyrie eleison christe eleison how it swayed about him like a close chime of bells he stood motionless perplexed and wondering was there a subterranean grotto near at hand where devotional chants were sung or and a slight tremor ran through him at the thought was there something supernatural in the music notwithstanding its human seeming speech and sound just then it ceased 
all was again silent as before and angry with himself for his own foolish fancies he set about the task of discovering the sunken fragment heliobas had mentioned very soon he found it driven deep into the soil and so blackened and defaced by time that it was impossible to trace any of the elaborate carvings that must have once adorned it in fact it would not have been recognizable as a portion of a gate at all had it not still possessed an enormous hinge which partly clung to it by means of one huge thickly rusted nail close beside it grew a tree of weird and melancholy appearance its trunk was split asunder and one half of it was withered the other half leaning mournfully on one side bent down its branches to the ground trailing a wealth of long glossy green leaves in the dust of the ruined city this was the famous tree called by the natives athel of which old legends say that it used to be a favourite evergreen much cultivated and prized by the babylonian nobility who loving its pleasant shade spared no pains to make it grow in their hanging gardens and spacious courts though its nature was altogether foreign to the soil and now with none to tend it or care whether it flourishes or decays it faithfully clings to the deserted spot where it was once so tenderly fostered showing its sympathy with the surrounding desolation by growing always in split halves one withered and one green a broken-hearted creature yet loyal to the memory of past love and joy alwyn stood under its dark boughs knowing nothing of its name or history every now and then a wailing whisper seemed to shudder through it though there was no wind and he heard the eerie lamenting sigh with an involuntary sense of awe the whole scene was far more impressive by night than by day the great earth mounds of babylon looked like giant graves enclosing a glittering ring of winding waters again he examined the embedded fragment of the ancient gate and then feeling quite certain of his starting point he set his face steadily toward the southwest there the landscape before him lay flat and bare in the beamy lustre of the moon the soil was sandy and heavy to the tread moreover it was an excessively hot night too hot to walk fast he glanced at his watch it was a few minutes past ten o'clock keeping up the moderate pace the heat enforced it was possible he might reach the mysterious field about half-past eleven perhaps earlier and now his nerves began to quiver with strong excitement had he yielded to the promptings of his own feverish impatience he would most probably have run all the way in spite of the sultriness of the air but he restrained this impulse and walked leisurely on purpose reproaching himself as he went along for the utter absurdity of his expectations was ever madman more mad than i he murmured with some self-contempt what logical human being in his right mind would be guilty of such egregious folly but am i logical certainly not am i in my right mind i think i am yet i may be wrong the question remains what is logic and what is being in one's right mind no one can absolutely decide let me see if i can review calmly my ridiculous position it comes to this i insist on being mesmerized 
i have a dream and i see a woman in the dream here he suddenly corrected himself a woman did i say no she was something far more than that a lovely phantom a dazzling creature of my own imagination an exquisite ideal whom i will one day immortalize yes immortalize in song he raised his eyes as he spoke to the dusky firmament thickly studded with stars and just then caught sight of a fleecy silver-rimmed cloud passing swiftly beneath the moon and floating downwards toward the earth it was shaped like a white-winged bird and was here and there tenderly streaked with pink as though it had just travelled from some distant land where the sun was rising it was the only cloud in the sky and it had a peculiar almost phenomenal effect by reason of its rapid motion there being not the faintest breeze stirring alwyn watched it gliding down the heavens till it had entirely disappeared and then began his meditations anew any one even without magnetic influence being brought to bear upon him might have visions such as mine take an opium-eater for instance whose life is one long confused vista of visions suppose he were to accept all the wild suggestions offered to his drugged brain and persist in following them out to some sort of definite conclusion the only place for that man would be a lunatic asylum even the most ordinary persons whose minds are never excited in any abnormal way are subject to very curious and inexplicable dreams but for all that they are not such fools as to believe in them true there is my poem i don't know how i wrote it yet written it is and complete from beginning to end an actual tangible result of my vision and strange enough in its way to say the least of it but what is stranger still is that i love the radiant phantom that i saw yes actually love her with a love no mere woman were she fair as troy's helen could ever arouse in me of course in spite of the contrary assertions made remarkably interesting chaldean monk heliobus i feel i am the victim of a brain delusion therefore it is just as well i should see this field of ardath and satisfy myself that nothing comes of it in which case i shall be cured of my craze he walked on for some time and presently stopped a moment to examine his map by the light of the moon as he did so he became aware of the extraordinary almost terrible stillness surrounding him he had thought the hermitage silent as a closed tomb but it was nothing to the silence here he felt it enclosing him like a thick wall on all sides he heard the regular pulsations of his own heart even the rushing of his own blood but no other sound was audible earth and the air seemed breathless as though with some pent-up mysterious excitement the stars were like so many large living eyes eagerly gazing down on the solitary human being who thus wandered at night in the land of the prophets of old the moon itself appeared to stare at him in open wonderment he grew uncomfortably conscious of this speechless watchfulness of nature he strained his ears to listen as it were to the deepening dumbness of all existing things and to conquer the strange sensations that were overcoming him he proceeded at a more rapid pace but in two or three minutes came again to an abrupt halt for there in front of him right across his path lay the fallen pillar which according to heliobus marked the boundary to the field he sought another glance at his map decided the position he had reached his journey's end at last what was the time 
he looked it was just twenty minutes past eleven a curious unnatural calmness suddenly possessed him he surveyed with a quiet almost cold unconcern the prospect before him a wide level square of land covered with tufts of coarse grass and clumps of wild tamarisk nothing more this was the field of ardath this bare unlovely wilderness without so much as a tree to grace its outline from where he stood he could view its whole extent and as he beheld its complete desolation he smiled a faint half bitter smile he thought of the words in the ancient book of esdras and the angel bade me enter a waste field and the field was barren and dry save of herbs and the name of the field was ardath and i wandered therein through the hours of the long night and the silver eyes of the field did open before me and therein i saw signs and wonders yes the field is barren and dry enough in all conscience he murmured listlessly but as for the silver eyes and the signs and wonders they must have existed only in the venerable prophet's imagination just as my flower-crowned angel maiden exists in mine well now the os alwyn he continued apostrophizing himself aloud are you contented are you quite convinced of your folly and do you acknowledge that a fair dream is as much of a lie and a cheat as all the other fair-seeming things that puzzle and torture poor human nature return to your former condition of reasoning and reasonable scepticism i even atheism if you will for the materialists are right you cannot prove a god or the possibility of any purely spiritual life why thus hanker after a phantom loveliness fame fame when fame that is enough for you in this world and as for a next world who believes in it and who believing cares soliloquizing in this fashion he set his foot on ardath itself determining to walk across and around it from end to end the grass was long and dry yet it made no rustle beneath his tread he seemed to be shod with the magic shoes of silence he walked on till he reached about the middle of the field where perceiving a broad flat stone near him he sat down to rest there was a light mist rising a thin moonlit coloured vapour that crept slowly upward from the ground and remained hovering like a wide suddenly spun gossamer web some two or three inches above it thus giving a cool luminous watery effect to the hot and arid soil according to the apocrypha esdras sat among the flowers he idly mused well perhaps there were flowers in those days but it is very evident there are none now a more dreary utterly desolate place than this famous ardath i have never seen at that moment a subtle fragrance scented the still air a fragrance deliciously sweet as of violets mingled with myrtle he inhaled the delicate odour surprised and confounded flowers after all he exclaimed or maybe some aromatic herb and he bent down to examine the turf at his feet to his amazement he perceived a thick cluster of white blossoms star-shaped and glossy-leaved with deep golden centres wherein bright drops of dew sparkled like brilliance and from whence puffs of perfume rose like incense swung at unseen altars he looked at them in doubt that was almost dread were they real 
were these the silver eyes in which esdras had seen signs and wonders or was he hopelessly brain-sick with delusions and dreaming again he touched them hesitatingly they were actual living things with creamy petals soft as velvet he was about to gather one of them when all at once his attention was caught and riveted by something like a faint shadow gliding across the plain a smothered cry escaped his lips he sprang erect and gazed eagerly forward half in hope half in fear what slight figure was that pacing slowly serenely and all alone in the moonlight without another instant's pause he rushed impetuously toward it heedless that as he went he trod on thousands of those strange starry blossoms which now with sudden growth covered and whitened every inch of the ground thus marvellously fulfilling the words spoken of old behold the field thou thoughtest barren how great a glory hath the moon unveiled End of chapter nine